Today we come to the midpoint of the book of Romans. Um, Paul's letters in the New Testament are structured with a two-part structure, bones and meat, or uh, ideal or, uh, or theological truths that are the foundation of the reality of how we live day to day and how we think and do what we do. The pivotal, the pivoting point is here um, as we cover the span of Romans, uh, the end of Romans 11 and into chapter 12. Today, we will discuss the wonders of the mercy of God as manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. And next week, our natural response to the wonders of the mercy of God in becoming like Christ and being united with him in servanthood. I won't be able to cover everything I'd like to cover today, and I'm trying to take less time for the sermons. So, our media recommendation for this week, if you'd like to hear the rest of the story, is found in a book our discipleship small group is studying by author John Piper called Seeing and Savoring Jesus Christ. If you turn to chapter 10, I believe it's eight short pages, um, you can read the rest of what I would have liked to say um, on, the, on, uh, on the topic of the sweet mercies of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are gathered in your name to worship you. We chiefly worship you for your mercy, though your justice and your faithfulness, your holiness and your beauty, and all such things are truly beautiful and wonderful. We have loved you because you have drawn near to us when we were yet sinners, and you've been merciful to the hard-hearted and rebellious and the stiff-necked. And that, of course, was us. And unfortunately, sometimes we're still like that. But you have clothed us in your holiness because you're merciful and you did it for your own glory and out of the deep love with which you have loved us. Therefore, now we're gathered in your name to confess our sins to you as you point out anything in us that offends you. And we pray that you would reveal to us the glory of Christ, chiefly shown in the mercy of Christ died for sinners. Amen. Our outline today, we have three points. Number one, God made the world to show us mercy for his own glory. Number two, we get to watch that mercy go from invisible to visible in the person of Jesus Christ. And point number three, that mercy is free. Turn with me, please, to Romans chapter 11, verse 30. Look for the repetition of the word mercy. Romans chapter 11, verse 30. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so too, so they too have now been disobedient 
in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Can you see the disobedience and the mercy? It's back and forth. Four times, I think, in three verses. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And the pivotal point, what do we do about that mercy, which we'll cover more next week. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, it says, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see the theme of mercy. It's, uh, it's carried all through five times now, I believe, in these few short verses. Paul has mercy on his mind because there's nothing better to have on the mind, and God thinks so too. He has put at the forefront of his purpose for creation of the universe, even you, the glorious display of his mercy. The theme of the mercy of God is, I think, the main theme of Romans. Back in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, we see the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience. Meditate on that. The riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience. If God had never created anybody or anything, who would have ever known how wealthy God is in kindness? There would be an endless void of, an endless and timeless void of darkness. And though God is rich and did not need to create and possessed the grandeur of this beauty of his kindness and forbearance and patience within himself in three persons, one God, he created the world that the joy of perceiving and seeing the glory of God, most especially in his mercy, might overflow to all of us who were created for his glory. Today, we answer, we ask and answer the deep questions. Why did God create the universe? And, again, why did God enter the world as a man? Into the world that he made in physical, taking on the physical form of creation in the person of Jesus Christ. Why would God do that? He didn't need to, but he desired to. Look at Romans chapter 9, verse 23 with me. He did these things, Romans 9, 23, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. Think like cups or jars or, or vases. And what's, what's, uh, what's the vase? It's us. And what goes inside it? The riches of the glory of his mercy. We're the vessel, we're the vase, 
and, and he fills us up with, uh, we were created to, to hold, to store, to be filled up with, to enjoy, to drink deeply the riches of his glory, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Therefore then, you were made to be the recipient of the mercy of God for the glory of God. It's why you exist. As teenagers, often we go through asking and trying to answer hard questions like, why do I exist? Or what's my purpose? Most of us went through a season, usually in those years, of, of asking such difficult questions. The reason you exist is because God desired to show you mercy and display, to, to share the enjoyment of the glory of God with you by giving you mercy. Ephesians 2, 7 specifically answers the question, why was there ever an incarnation of God into the world of humanity? Ephesians 2, 7 says that it was that Jesus came into the world so that in the coming ages, so that's now and for the rest of time, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. And now our text for today. Come back with me to Romans chapter 11, verse 30. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but have now received mercy, pause. Which of you who uh, have driven in a car that had an analog dial on the dashboard? You know, it's like the, it's got numbers and it's got a needle and the needle goes this way or that way, right? It could be your tachometer for your RPMs or your speedometer or your temperature gauge, right? Picture that. There's this dial here and we're reading it and read it with me and let the needle bounce from left to right as you read it. On one side is disobedience and on the other side as God revs up the RPMs is his mercy. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the, God puts the pedal to the metal, in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. For God has consigned or shut up or given over or turned over all to disobedience. Why? Why? is the predestined plan of God and why he created, why he entered his creation, and why he ordained that things would happen so, just so, so that he may have mercy on all. This isn't talking about every single human to ever live, because we know that from Romans 9, there are vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. But God did it so that all not excluding Gentiles, but bring them in so that those of Israel who were true Israel, who weren't just descendants of Abraham, but who were by faith of the, the children of promise, might be united together with we Gentiles who have been grafted in, we who were created and predestined to receive mercy. There is no better purpose for living 
than to go through the pain, the toil, to suffer the anxiety, to endure grief, and live with much conflict. It is worth it, and it is right, and the following verses display that this is the wisdom of God, that we might then receive so much mercy that all that is wrong will be put right. Not just that there is justice, but that there is peace. These are the tender mercies of our God. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Whoever would have thought of that? How unsearchable are his judgments. None of us would have had the wisdom to do it that way. God did these things. God created and God entered the world and God endured death and suffering and rejection by man. Not chiefly to display, he, he did it to display all of that for which he is glorified, his holiness, his perfect obedience to the Father, his perfect union with the Father, his justice and his mercy. But the justice is subordinate to the mercy. John 3:17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The book of John also tells us that Jesus is the judge. We know that Jesus has the keys of death and Hades. We know that he is the judge of all men. But, it, but the Lord says that it was not to condemn the world that he entered the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Come back with us to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3, verse 26. Why, why is God doing what he's doing? Romans 3.26 says, it was to show his righteousness at the present time. He didn't become not a God of justice because he's a God of mercy. He did it so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Romans 15, verses 8 and 9. I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that's the Jews of old, to show God's truthfulness. Remember we said God is faithful to his promises. In order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that we Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. We get to watch the mercy, we get to watch that mercy go from invisible to visible in the person of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God. Well, God is spirit. You know, God gives us spiritual eyes to discern spiritual truths and he opens our minds to understand the scripture and he causes us to see God. But we being frail and born in the, of, of flesh cannot see God in all of his holiness and all of his brilliance without that intensity of light and being 
causing us to vaporize in an instant. And therefore, it says in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, uh, no one has ever seen God in all of his fullness face to face, but the only God who is at the Father's side, who is that? But the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. We live in a multicultural, uh, multi-religious world with a plurality of just about everything, especially nowadays. And as we come together, Christians from around the world who have trusted in the Lord Christ, we remember the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. Jesus himself declared in a world filled with many gods, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Remember two weeks ago we said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. It's amazing how we can grow up in church and miss this often repeated doctrine. But this is what the scripture says. It says that no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So how do you see God? You see him in the face of Jesus Christ when Jesus chooses to reveal the Father to you by showing you himself as a human like us. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, one of his disciples with whom he was speaking, said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Colossians 1.15, one of my favorite verses. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. But you may ask yourselves, well, I was made in the image of God too. You are made with the imprint of God or the fingerprints of God. You are made to be able to know him. You're made to have dominion. You're made with the capacity to be, though born in sin, re-cleansed and be made holy again and to live with him in perfection of peace and joy of relationship forever. You are made in the image of God. Christ is the fullness of the image of God. You are a painting, a two-dimensional painting, we might say, and all kinds of, uh, of things that the animals don't have, that the rest of the creation lacks, are, 
are colored, it's like the colors of God are, 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 are displayed in you. And so that when someone looks at you, they know something of the Lord himself, though we are, I think, not that much like God. But Jesus, Hebrews 1.3, it's not like um, looking through a window with glass or shades or the light isn't good. It's like God opens a door in heaven and you can see with perfect clarity, with perfect vision, through that door or that window, Christ seated at the right hand of God. And in seeing the living Christ, you see the face of God. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It is in Jesus' purification of our sins that we most clearly see the brightness of God's glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Where do we go to see the mercy of God? We go straight to Jesus on the cross. Meditate with me about how incredible it was that Christ, who bearing the sins of his people, suffered beyond all comparison to anyone, had a forgiving heart towards non-believers mocking him as he was being crucified. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Picture, the, picture with me in your mind the violence being done to him verbally, the abuse, the rejection, as they treat him like an animal to be slaughtered. They treat him like they might a lamb that they were going to slaughter as a sacrifice. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had a forgiving heart towards those who hated him as he was being crucified by them. Father, forgive them. Never were better or more hopeful or more generous nor merciful words spoken. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God made the universe to display the riches of his glory and the centerpiece of God's glory is the display of his mercy in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans 9.5 says, Christ is God over all. Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. As God... 
Christ has the authority to judge. And the right and the willingness and the desire to have mercy. And when God wants it, who can resist his will? Therefore, it will surely come to pass for all of the vessels of his mercy prepared in advance for glory. This mercy is free. Romans, we saw in Romans 9 verse 15, God said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. If I couldn't obtain it by trying, like John Wesley, to live a good enough or holy enough life according to the rules of God as I understood them, or like the Jews who made every effort to uh, enter the kingdom of God but who failed to obtain the grace of God, because nobody can do that by self-effort. And yet, if, if that's the case, then it can't be bought. There's no price I could pay that would get me his mercy. It is God who out of his good will, in his good pleasure, desired to have mercy on me. So then, verse 18, he has mercy on whomever he wills. Titus 3.5 says, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. In this season of Advent, we look to Christ the merciful. And we remember the songs of both Mary at the incarnation or the advent or the coming of Christ into the world, and the song of Zechariah at the uh, foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist. They said, Luke chapter 1, verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Are you living in a place or a season of darkness and of hopelessness? God has not forgotten that he is merciful. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. In Luke 1 verse 78, he did this because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. As we conclude, come back with me to the book of Romans, chapter 10. Romans 10, 12. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. See him, savor him, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is a refuge to all who call on him. Oh, how happy are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Romans 4, 7 and 8. Hope in him. 
trust in him and you also will live in him and he in you. God made the world to show you mercy for his own glory. It is in the face and the person of Jesus Christ that God's mercy goes from invisible to visible flesh and blood that, we, that his disciples looked at and their hands touched. And this mercy is free. Let's pray. Lord, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. And we pray that even as the world is yet full of great darkness and even as the flesh within us desires to sin and flee from you, we pray, Lord, that you would break through from heaven in the person of the Son of God by the person of the Holy Spirit with power to reveal to us the knowledge of God we pray, Lord, for mercy, and we thank you, Lord, that we have found it and will continue to find it in you and you alone, so we know just where to go. Amen.